Welcome to another episode of Chris Reed's book. week's episode of Chris Reed's book. I am your resident author, Chris Pullman, and I'll be reading some more chapters to you from my second science fiction novel, Martian Reporter, Humanity's New Hope. Uh, I, we're at a point where there are several shorter chapters, so I'll just read through all of them, and I'm going to try and keep this uh, shorter as well. Again, just because I record these during my lunch break, really. So I'm not going to make it too long. You compare that to uh, the other podcast I do with Gloria, the Whiskey and Mash. Those can get rather lengthy. That's because we do those on the weekend. This I do during the week on my lunch break, so we'll keep it short. Uh, we'll start with Intervening Time. Jim kept meeting with Makia and Rachel every couple of weeks as they continued to share with him more of how they intended to use his help. At least that's what was said. Unable to pull her from the field to brief Jim, Nick had given Makia the job of briefing him at their meetings. The Mars Atmo Underground had some 50,000 members across the planet. In Olympus Mons province, there were roughly 8,500. Most were loosely held together by networks of communication, though roughly 1,000 had been formed in cadres of 50 to 100 into a sort of paramilitary force. Realizing the irony of part of the Atmo Underground being paramilitary was not lost on Jim. George, as Jim's attaché from the censors, had become a friend. Only recently had George revealed to Jim what he knew to be true. George was an anitic. After sampling some of his blood, Jim's original suspicions had been confirmed. The plants sent to Earth on the vegetable ark had indeed infected terrestrial humans with nanites. Over succeeding generations, they had passed nanites to offspring who had begun migrating to Luna and Mars. The overall percentage of the population with passive nanite hives was growing, but still represented only a minority of the population. Even so, George helped Jim test in advance many of the devices of both offensive and defensive design that Eric had been working on before he left. Amazingly, George was able to intuitively use most of them. More yet, they worked. The two even managed to make some improvements. Recently, Makia and Rachel had grown a bit comfortable and lax about caution in arriving and departing from their meetings. As a precaution, more than once, Jim had tailed one or the other, and, more than once, he had seen someone follow Rachel. When he brought it up to the pair, they replied that they routinely had members of the underground keep watch over them. When Jim tried to tell them it hadn't been members of their underground, they simply shrugged off his concerns, saying they could handle themselves. In any event, Nick was also amassing personnel and materiel by the day. Somehow, the sensors were sidestepping the lengthy journey that even full-space Alcubierre drive necessitated. 
However they were doing it, Jim hoped their preparations would be enough. He could feel the end nearing, and knew that soon he would have to stand against chaos himself. It was both a vision and a cold calculation. Even without the others helping him understand, he could comprehend enough to know that much. He simply hoped that when he faced chaos, he would be ready, and not alone. Next chapter, Darkness Approaches. Chaos walked into the command center, thanks to some earmarks from the Terran Congress for industrial infrastructure improvements. Chaos had been able to expand the amazingly small warehouse that Lewis had called a base of operations into a true command post. They had appropriated several other buildings along the docks and even managed to build some underground structures connecting them. It was truly amazing what could be accomplished with the proper funding. Looking around the CNC, Chaos grinned. His initial guard force had been expanded several times over thanks to separate appropriations from the new Martian Homeland Security Council, ostensibly created in an effort to give further aid in stamping out the threat posed by dissidents in the Atmo Underground. The speaker had been convinced to found the new council. One of his original recruits, Alpha, as he liked being referred to, had called Chaos to the CNC. Feeling Chaos's presence, the man straightened, whirled, and snapped a salute. Sir! Alpha, report! Sir, we have found Rachel Gaeta. We have her? Chaos asked smugly. We can, sir. No move has been made against her yet, though. The leader of the underground under my control, Chaos mused aloud. She could prove useful. Send a squad to escort her in, <laughs> and have them avoid unnecessary damage or casualties. Clean operation, understand? Yes, sir, Alpha replied. Chaos's little force was more than formidable compared to anything else in existence. Still, though, no need to rouse the beast and create enemies where they did not exist. His plans were coming along nicely now that he was back in the saddle. Sir? That voice was quickly becoming an annoyance. Of all the people Chaos kept close to him, only Lewis still had that questioning, quivering tone when he addressed Chaos. I should just be rid of him, Chaos thought to himself. But even as he did, he felt the pushback to such a thought. Quit it! He snapped to the other mind. Yes, Lewis, he said without turning. S sir, the CEO of SNN Industries has again uh, denied our audience request. Chaos grumbled. Those fools. Don't they know the winning side when it calls them up on the internets? Chaos's nostrils flared as he gazed into his own thoughts, breathing heavily. What we could accomplish with their support, he exclaimed. I, I know, sir, Lewis said. However, there is little we can do. This I am painfully aware, Chaos replied, refusing to look at the simpering Lewis. At this moment, all Chaos wanted to do was smack some backbone into the man. We still have our black market sources for weapons, Lewis put in. They're inferior, expensive, and slow in coming, 
Chaos said, his gaze fixed straight ahead. Plus, we cannot get shield technology through the black market. It's too well regulated. We could try sending in another of the... Lewis began to say, but Chaos cut him out. You know that won't work! Chaos raged as he turned on Lewis, who suddenly resembled a turtle pulling its head back into its shell. Respect... Just because it hasn't worked three times so far, Lewis began to say. Whatever came next, Chaos didn't hear. Instead, mad cackling filled his ears. It was the other voice inside his head. Shut up! Chaos yelled at it. The voice simply kept cackling. Chaos grasped his head in his hands, closing his eyes as he shouted, Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! The room suddenly grew silent except for the usual sounds of the electronics. After a few seconds, Lewis said, Sir? Get out! Chaos screamed at the man, at the same time grasping Lewis's hand in his hand. Get out of my sight, you imbecile! What use of you are to me if you can't get me what I need? Chaos released Lewis, throwing him backwards by his head. He fumbled, trying to regain his balance until he collided with Alpha. The guard wasn't even phased by Lewis. Get out! Chaos screamed, pointing out of the room. Uh, by your leave, Chaos said quickly as he spun on his heels and left. Good heart. Pardon me. Good help. Hard to find these days, the voice in Chaos's head asked with a smirk. Shut up! Chaos said crossly. He felt petulant and badly wanted to make someone pay for his difficulties. Alpha, he said. Sir, Alpha replied, still standing stoically at attention. We will not simply capture young Miss Gator. Orders, sir. She will be bait. We will gain the weapons we need. Whatever those weapons are, Chaos said. Break her once you have her. You and Beta, use whatever means necessary capture the events and pass them along to the underground. We will get Hall's attention, then we will gain the world. Chaos felt the other within him glower and shrink away. He had won a battle with the other just then. I don't think he'll be contacting you again, Tommy, Lewis reported to the man on the screen. This last refusal fairly sent him over the edge. All the better, Tommy replied. I wouldn't be so sure, sir, Lewis said back. When he gets this mad, he gets unpredictable. Understood, Lewis, but unpredictable can work in our favor from time to time, Tommy reminded him. Valid point, sir, Lewis replied. Indeed. Stay strong, son, Tommy said to Lewis before he closed the channel. Tommy had always been a sort of mentor to Lewis, and not just during his time as a censor. Early on in Lewis's life, Tommy had taken a keen interest in him. Once he joined the spy section of the Department of Censorship, and so had been granted higher clearance, Lewis had figured out from whence he descended, and why Tommy was so interested. Not only that, but Lewis had learned that the long plans named him not just anyone, but specifically Louis Theron Telemann, as important in the struggle to come. 
which was flattering and a bit overwhelming, all at once. In any event, Lewis felt privileged to serve the censorship as he was, even if it was trying at times as it had been today. Next chapter. Amy Henshaw. I don't get it, Jim replied. Yes, that much I understand. What I don't understand is how you can't, despite already mastering both Melinda and Andre's abilities, Amy replied. They were in the TDF situation room. In the center of the room was a monotable. Floating over the table was a projection of the Normandy coast on Earth. Hovering above the projection were labels, tonnages, intended landing sites, and specific cargo lists. What Amy was trying to get Jim to do was rearrange the Allied fleet and create a landing schedule that would most efficiently deliver the ship supplies onto Juneau, Gold, Omaha, Utah, and Sword beaches. However, despite his best efforts, Jim was struggling. I just don't see it yet, he replied after a few more moments of studying what Amy had called the sand table. Okay, let me try another approach. You can see by their labels the ship's tonnages and what material they're carrying? Jim nodded. Okay, so maybe focus more on the material than tonnages for a minute. His previous attempts had mainly dealt with unloading the lightest ship first in order to get them out of the way. He'd also tried unloading the heaviest first. But as he looked over the material listing, something began to happen. Bits and pieces began to come together. Chains of reasoning fell into place. Temporary dock equipment would allow for quicker unloading. Heavy equipment such as cranes brought ashore next via the docks could then be used on the docks once they were assembled and running. More materialists came to life in James's, Jim's mind, bits and pieces seeming to light up. It's not really that easy, is it? he asked Amy, half turning toward her. Is what really that easy? she asked. Jim explained his whole thought process. Certain equipment would need would be needed at the beginning to accelerate the process while others could wait. It would create the overall swiftest process. Once he was done, Amy smiled. It really is that easy. But it's not really all that easy, is it? No, it's not, Jim replied. His mind stepped back from the problem, seeing the whole interconnected web of actions he had described. And suddenly, what Amy had been trying to get him to understand clicked into place. It isn't. Until you know how to evaluate on-hand resources and use them most efficiently, he added. Turning then to face Amy, he caught her smiling broadly. And that's pretty much it, she said. Jim's mind switching tracks and tapping Melinda's ability caught her meaning. He can't be done. After just one exercise? Jim, my job was easy. The other progenitors had the hard part of your training. They were the ones who had to teach you to better use your mind. Now it's chugging along nicely. It kicks on the ability that it needs most at that moment. You've basically automated your mind. All I had to do was feed it new information and let it chew, she said with a smile. Can see why Eric fell in love with you, Jim commented. He felt a twinge of regret, anger, flash through Amy's mind. I'm sorry, he added. 
No, that's okay. Just how much do you know? Jim tapped his head with his finger. Of course. Everything you have, you inherited from him. It's just... Even now as a mental shadow, I feel angry that he lied to me. I've had time to talk with him about it and try to come to terms with why he stayed among the living. And now, especially now, I understand the purpose. It's still a bit much to accept, though, Amy said. Sadness showed through in her blue and green eyes. Next chapter. Fear. We do have ways to make you talk, my dear, Chaos said, looming over Rachel. Spitting out blood and a tooth, she looked up at him through her one open eye. Better than this, I hope. Oh, you've been trained well, I'll grant you. But you cannot stop yourself if I but decide it. <laughs> what? Rachel asked, exasperated. You know how little sense you make, right? Cass's hand twitched. For a moment, a thought shot through his mind. It's happening again. You simply weren't listening correctly. If I ask nicely, Lewis here will inject you with my own special blend of nanites. Fear and recognition flashed across Rachel's eye. Nanites have been gone from existence for 500 years. She spat defiantly, fear yet on her face. Chaos chuckled. There, you and your fellow undergrounders are dead wrong. There had been one crucible of nanites that had survived the centuries. Now there are two. And one of them, Chaos said, his pupils turning onyx, controls your fate. Now Rachel laughed. <laughs> you don't hold sway over me. Nor do I fear you. Do you know who I am? So defiant. Kill her. Not yet. I am Rachel Gata. <coughs> Daughter of Nick Gata. Section Chief of the Censors. On Earth, Chaos followed. But even so, you know that he'll manage to assemble a strike team to come and get you, his daughter and only child. Too bad, it's a futile effort. Lewis? My captain. From outside Rachel's cell entered a man, seeming to be void of emotion. Rachel Brewer! This is the captain of my guards, Drone Alpha. We've met... Rachel replied, venom dripping in her voice. Of course. And so you know that Alpha is capable of. Even with only eight fingers. Would have been less if he hadn't had such good reflexes. She shot back, nostrils flaring. I'm sure, Chaos said coolly. Nonetheless, your daddy's army is unprepared to deal with a force such as I command. No, Rachel girl, Chaos crooned, moving behind her to whisper in her ear. You're mine, and even if you don't tell me what I need willingly, you're good bait. Lewis, addressing Chaos after he left Rachel, said, Sir, she won't do us any good dead. 
No, certainly not, which is why I haven't killed her, Chaos replied, wiping the blood from his hands. That, and she amuses me. Lewis had seen exactly what form Chaos's amusement had taken. You play your part well, Lewis, Chaos said, digging the last vestiges of Rachel's blood out from under his fingernails. Even though Chaos had stopped with her, Alpha now had her. And so she screamed. She would be rested, repaired, rehydrated, and nourished. Then the second shift guard, Beta, would have her fun. Lewis had only watched once. It had been enough. Thank you, sir. I think? Lewis stammered, scratching his head. Your predecessor had done well by us, too. And grateful I am for that, sir. Chaos inspected his hands, seeming not to hear Rachel's screams. Hands are a wonderful thing, Lewis. Capable of so much. Have you ever considered what yours might be capable of? Sir? What your hands might be capable of, Lewis. Your hands. Unlike Alpha, you have two perfectly good ones so far as I know. I, I do, sir. So, what are yours capable of? Where was he going with this? Chaos grabbed Lewis's hand, forcibly spreading it and held it in front of Lewis's face. What are your hands capable of, Lewis? He demanded. Sir, you're hurting me, Lewis said, shielding his thoughts with a blanket of fear. Your hand, Lewis, it's right in front of you. What is it capable of? Lewis cranked on the hand, dropping Lewis to his knees. Yet Chaos did not relent. Tell me what it's capable of! Whimpering, Lewis mumbled. You're hurting me! Chaos lowered Lewis's hand, bringing his eyes directly in front of Lewis's. They were onyx black as much as they had ever been. The whites were still there, though. Chaos was still being controlled. After another violent shake of Lewis's hand, Chaos dropped it, saying quietly, Coward! Straightening, he began to leave, and without turning, he said, I broke your hand. Get it fixed. I can't have you crippled. Lewis clutched at his hand until he was certain Chaos had gone, then flexed it. He would still need to go to the medical bay and falsify a report. Chaos had broken his hand, but it was fine for the same reason Rachel was still alive. Lewis's gift. You all had better come soon, he grumbled as he looked one last time into Rachel's cell. Alpha had decided on a cattle prod today. Lewis would need to rest before he went to tend to Rachel between shifts. Electrical burns drained him worse than anything else. And that's where we'll stop for today. Thank you for listening. If you want to catch up on back episodes of Chris Reed's book, you can do so at iTunes or your favorite podcast application. Just search for Chris Reed's book. Otherwise, you can head over to my website, narclaninc.com. Go to the podcast link, go to the Chris Reed's book page, and there on the webpage will be back 
episodes in mp3 format of all of my uh, podcasts both for my first science fiction novel for Linda's Cal Exit and for this book up to this point if you want to connect with me or follow me so you know when new episodes come out also off of that website there will be links for you to follow to my author Facebook and Twitter page Facebook page, Twitter, you know. And also a link to email me directly at the podcast here. Please do uh, connect with me on social media. Let me know that you're out there. That would be great. And if you feel like the content I'm putting out there is worth your support, the best way to support me right now is to share this podcast with a friend, a family member, a coworker, someone you think would enjoy listening to the stories I tell. Thank you for coming back uh, week after week. I'll see you next week. Keep being awesome.